Welcome to the Rocket Files, coaching uncut. Welcome to the Rocket Files, round 15. Uh, with me today is Adam White. Mark Stevens is away grabbing some sunshine uh, here at RSN uh, Studio with Adam. And the Rocket Files is brought to you by Nutter Wadding Jeep and also Bell and Barnett Suits. So welcome aboard, Adam. Thanks very much for being part of today. No problems at all. I'm a bit nervous to oh, sort of I know. Be replacing you're a, you're, you're a seasoned campaigner, mate. You know, you know that's okay. So, so what was your main things out of the weekend? How do you think uh, obviously there was a lot of upsets or results that didn't go the way. Does this uh, mean it's good for footy? Well, I think it's good for footy, the way the game was played. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether they're – it, it was it was almost like the coaches all got together and said, right, we're worried about where the AFL might take the rules. Let's let's play a bit more offensive footy and maybe no one will do anything to the game. I'm not sure. It, yeah, it just it's felt like that. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it, there uh, seems to be a bit of media thing about, oh, is the game need to be reset? It looks like it's okay. And – it proved to me more than ever that it's coach-driven uh, the way the game is. That, uh, And I knew that anyway, but the supporters should see that congestion or numbers around the ball or numbers back behind the ball, it's all coach-driven. The weekend was really about uh, teams trying to score, wasn't it? They just went quick, especially Essendon. But even the two, the, the two games early in the round, Thursday and Friday night, even though the Swans only kicked 11 goals, they really did try and score. They did try and move the ball quickly. And uh, I think it's good for footy. And, and it's still a contest for people to say, well, we don't want a shootout. There probably was a shootout too of the weekend. But if it's 110 to 100, it's okay. If it gets 140 to 130, it's obviously not much defence. We want to see a contest. But uh, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It felt to me that it wasn't so much the need to score or the want to score, but it was to actually put speed in the game and then scoring came as a result of putting yeah. speed into the game. I think when you move the ball quickly, you want to – I think it's probably twofold. You want to get out of the back 50 quickly because that's where obviously the, all the pressure is at the moment. Teams want to play in their forward half. But also to be able to score, you've got to move the ball quickly. If you play a measured game – now North did it at times the second half on the weekend where it was a kick-catch, but it was quick movement. They didn't, they didn't hatch the ball. They didn't sit on it. But teams who want to be measured just gives um, opposition sides chances to set up defensively. And teams who can set up defensively, most can really well, it's very difficult to score. So I think I think they go hand in hand. I think by moving it quickly and at times, I like the option of just kicking it long in the forward line when it's a one-on-one or a three-on-three even. Um, some players and teams want the perfect pass and that causes error. But just, And I think Collingwood fell for that trap um, after half time, where they mucked around with the ball, they were overusing it, it was a bit slippery, but getting the ball inside 50 at times quickly, um, and maybe to a one on one or two on two, causes a bit of angst for the opposition. I want to talk to you a little bit about that Collingwood situation um, a little bit later on, but just in regards to putting speed into the game, is that something that is a directive from the coaches, or is it something that happens just playing the game and, and players actually getting confident? enough out on the field. It happens a couple of times. You think, oh, this is pretty cool. We can yeah. we can maybe do this again and confidence builds or is it more a, an instruction that has to be trained during the week to then implement it on a weekend? Probably trained uh, or spoken to by the coach, but it's probably more the other way where the coaches will say, we don't want to take risks or we'll play around the boundary. So it's more that not being said, yes. then players will play naturally. And I think that's what's happened to Collingwood this year. There's probably let them, you know, give them some direction and some parameters to play with them, but let's play the game. And um, I think it's such an instinctive game now. It's 360 degree in the shape of the ball. It's not like any other game uh, that's so unpredictable that you can't coach or prepare players for every scenario. So they've got to be able to play the game. And uh, I think 
what I saw on the weekend, a lot of coaches are letting them play a bit. At the same time, giving them direction and giving them ways how to defend and how they should move the ball, but letting the players make those decisions. I'm not sure whether you've noticed this, but one thing I've noticed over the last few weeks is just subtle changes to the way the umpires are umpiring the game. And yeah. one that I think is actually working really well is that as soon as a player takes even half a step off the line, they're immediately calling play on. Yeah, they Which are. I think is adding some speed into the game. And when you marry that up with throwing the ball up quicker, getting the ball back into play quicker, I think we are seeing those subtle differences, which is is helping the game. Yeah, I think if I'm probably digressing, I, I, I totally agree with you. But think about the rules of the game, and I've got some thoughts about, you know, ease congestion. But I've said to, I reckon we make subtle changes initially to see rather than make drastic changes. Mm. And I think take the third man up rule out. Uh, sorry, uh, nominating the ruckman. Yep. Uh, don't nominate. If the third man goes up, well, it's a free kick. Throw the ball in and up within six or seven seconds. Just get a game. If the ruckman aren't there, well, bad luck. Um, maybe a bit tighter on free kicks with holding the ball. Um, but have those subtle differences. And if a player moves half a metre off the line, yeah, let it call play on. So they've got to make a decision quicker. I think those sort of subtle changes will make, hopefully the coaches adapt and the teams adapt, they'll make the game a little bit more flow on. We've, we've spoken about this a, a bit over the course of the year about the coach's responsibility to win versus the coach's responsibility yep. to play the game in an entertaining fashion yep. because it is a kind of entertainment business. It is sport, obviously. Where, where do you sit on that? Do you, would you, when you are coach and when you were coach, would you just dismiss that whole, oh, well, we've got to put on a show because um, it's about winning? I think the coaches, so they care about the game and got the game at, at interest at heart, and I agree totally they have. But from March onwards, they want to win games of footy. And they'll do, and I think, uh, having criticism around, but Carlton played a free-flowing game early in the year and then were getting belted. So they've closed the game and played a more defensive game. And that's fair enough because they want to sell hope to their supporters. So you're selling hope and you're also trying to win games. So I think that's their main focus during the season. They're not going to totally worry about what the game looks like. Certainly from October to March, they will think, yeah, we... You know, we are in the entertainment business. You know, you say it's a sport, but it is entertainment business because it's big money. TV are putting a lot of money in. So we need to um, have people watch TV. We need people to come to the game. So I think, I suppose the point is, it's coach-driven at the moment for the weekend. We're saying it's great footy, but where are the coaches going to take it in two weeks' time or a month's time? So do we need to take that control out of the coach's hands. And I think that's what the AFL, AFL is grappling with at the moment. Because that's the question I wanted to ask you, that as a footy fan, you watch the weekend. And I, I'm very much of the view that it doesn't have to be 110 points to 100 points for it to be an entertaining game. I no. think that's ridiculous yeah. to say that it, yeah. you can't have an entertaining game that's 60 to, to weighty. Yeah. But I think as all fans, we, we sort of were encouraged by what we saw and excited by what we saw over the course of the weekend. But would coaches be going, oh, we don't like that, you know, that we, we, we allow the opposition to score 100 points even though we won or that they scored far too freely? Is there likely to be an overcorrection based on what coaches saw of all nine games or uh, would they be reasonably happy with what, they, what took place? Oh, no, I think uh, some would be happy. Maybe the result helps them, say St Kilda. Mm. Uh, Simon Goodwin has said that we've got to fix up our defensive uh, actions, which is fair enough. I suppose the... Most pointed comments been Nathan Buckley after the Brisbane game mm. when it, uh, everyone said it was a great game. Yeah. And he said, well, we didn't like what we saw. And so I think coaches inherently rather save a goal than kick a goal. And 
what we saw from Essendon at the weekend and, and other teams, Richmond as well. Richmond have got a really good balance. Now, they defend really well and they, they're manic in their pressure. But once they win the ball, they're off to the races. And uh, I think that's probably where the game should be at. Um, you play both sides of the ball equally intensely. So some teams that defend well then don't move the ball quickly and sort of really set their defence up by their ball movement and maybe slow them around the boundaries so therefore they don't want to be scored against. So um, I think it's more that as, as far as trying to save it. Um, let's hopefully there's a good balance. So saving a goal or not losing a contest or not losing a stoppage, is that because it's easier to coach or is it is it easier to win if you have that mentality? Um, it's a tough question. But. Yeah, it's a, probably a bit of both. I think it's probably easier to win if you get the contest right and your structure's right and all those sorts of things. Um, but inherently too, with when structures or the structures come in the last six or seven years, it's given the coaches a lot more power, a lot more control. Yes. And we probably as coaches like to control. We're control freaks. So control every player's action. I think what that does as well plays with players' heads because they're worried about certain action they need to do or this is what the coach wants and not playing instinctively. So you need to train the way or scenarios as best you can but then let the players play, as I mentioned before. So without having that uh, mind-boggling uh, thoughts going through your head, that's actually, I suppose, it's paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Um, and uh, letting an Adam Saad run, um, but you put too many constraints on him and think, let him think too much about his footy, what he needs to do, He's keep it as simple as possible, he, he will actually detract away from his strengths. And I think you've got to coach to teams and players' strengths. And I think it, when you talk to people within Collingwood, and everyone's wanting to know what the secret recipe's been for them to turn things around. And there's obviously so many things that have that have changed. But one thing that sort of has struck a chord with me is how they say we're still really heavily structured and heavily coached when we don't have the ball. But when we do have the ball, there is now a licence that you can actually express yourselves. You can play, mm. play on instinct and take the game on a little bit and not feel, gee, if I don't do that kicker, if I don't kick it there, then I'm going to get in trouble. It's more encouraged that you just go and play the game. Yeah, and I think that's probably more the case. And you see that Richmond, that's probably yep. the best example, that defensively and when you haven't got the ball, uh, this is what's expected of you. You've, you've got to get in the right position. You've got to tackle with intensity. You've got to outnumber the opposition. Uh, but with the ball, well, you know, you'll coach your style and where players need to go offensively and keep their width and whatever the case may be or hit up at the ball. But with ball in hand, um, within those parameters, you've got a fair bit of licence to actually execute your own, you know, your own style. Let's go back to school. Welcome back and uh, we've got the section, the coach's box, Adam, and uh, you had an interesting question you wanted to pose. I do because, amazingly, there were two games in round 15 where the game was in the balance with 30 seconds to go. So in the Friday night game, we had a situation where Geelong needed to get a score to win with the Bulldogs narrowly in front having the Bulldogs had that same situation kind of the week before. And then in the Melbourne-St Kilda game, same situation. Melbourne needing to score uh, to win the game against St Kilda and St Kilda did a lot of good things. Maybe the Bulldogs didn't do a lot of good mm. things but still were able to get the win. So the question I've got for you is that that whole thing about coaching scenarios. How much time can you put into that as a coach with your players about, right, 30 seconds to go, centre bounce, we're in front by three points, and then another scenario where we're behind by three points. What do we do? Uh, you certainly put some time into that because it does happen. Um, 
had a phrase uh, when we're three points down. Uh, it's called goal to win. So you can assume that the opposition are going to have some numbers back. Um, so where do you put your players? So generally in my situation, uh, I would have some players, so the wingers or our forward, outside the centre corridor on the 45 degree, generally don't get manned up or not as loosely, even then the winger or a halfback come in late. And that's where we're going to exit if we win the centre bounce. If you kick it directly down the middle, which you, know, you, you can or you've got to uh, break, uh, it's generally going to go into a big contest, a lot of numbers. So you're trying to score as efficiently as you can with as much space as you can. So that was uh, – and that worked okay. Um, so when would you coach that? Because obviously you've got the time in the pre-season to do those things. Do you do, then do refresher courses On the way, the year? yeah. So it's done generally in a classroom. So you'll, okay. you'll go through. You might show uh, an, a vision, draw it up or have it uh, with a PowerPoint and – Go through the you know the mechanisms or the machinations of it, uh, and then you'll train it. You know you break down drills, you you walk through it, and then and then you'll have a match simulation, and then you'll call it just randomly. You know you'll have your up and down match practice, and then you'll go okay two points down, final centre bounce a minute ago. What do we do? Okay. So um, so you give them a sort of a chaos situation to what to go through. The interesting one is when you're in front, what you do. So you would at least take three of your forwards out and then how you place it all your wingers probably go back and you probably two of your forwards go up on the wing and then you probably have another uh, you're probably a tallest forward or you're one who's best at it aerially who can go back so you you, and you've got to place them in the right position it's no randomly just putting them back as just extra numbers and they get manned up uh, as best as the opposition will do You've got to have one or two defenders come off the back end of the square because if they get a, a break out of the centre bounce, uh, need to be able to put some pressure on. Also, your centre bounce people, you probably your best ones in there, try and tap the ball in closest to the centre circle so it's just a fight. You don't want a ball on the outside. So there's a whole re- different range of everyone's got a role to play. If you win the ball and your forward set up, not in the corridor either, more on the outside, when you win it, kick it on the 45 degree or to a wing. If you kick it down the middle, you're going to be outnumbered anyway, so you give it back to the opposition. So kick it wide, but then your forwards are positioned closest to the point of the square or that width, uh, so they're first to it if it's kicked out there. So it might take it out of bounds or whatever the case may be. So um, I think what the Bulldogs did the other night, it bobbled around, but their players came in off the back end and then just tracked the footy. And then it was uh, free to sell it, quick hands. Uh, Kelly had the ball. Now, Zane Cordy had his width and he wasn't really responsible for Duncan who came off the back end of the square, but lost his width and put, tried to put pressure on Kelly. didn't have an impact. Duncan was free. Then all those players that came off the back end of the square were committed to one side. The biggest mistake they made, well, I don't know who the Bulldogs player was, came into Duncan and let Duncan step inside him. Mm. So Taylor should never have been able to mark that one-on-one. So there was a lot of ifs and buts and that's where the uh, and this is a perfect example you can't coach every scenario yeah you can't make them robots you've got to give them as much information as you can and train it and they can make the decisions with a couple of rules with some rules around that um but you've really got to be able to let them be able to see the see what the scenarios are train it and then they can have to make the decision on the day because i would imagine that when they're when there is a goal kicked, it goes back to middle. There's 30 seconds to go. So Jordan Lewis kicked the goal for Melbourne to give the Demons a chance. There's 30 seconds remaining. Similar scenario on the on the Friday night. 
you're not going to be able to get a message to your players in that no, amount of right. time. No. So I would imagine that there's a lot of trust that's put into your on-field leaders to be able to sort of marshal the troops and say, right, mm. you know what, we've trained this, we've gone through this, mm. let's go into 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 in, mode. Into the mode, yeah. And, and you'd have a name for it, like there's goal to win or red flag or whatever yeah. name you call it. And um, you can see Jack Stephen there, whether it was coach and they've trained it, but Jack Stephen, when he won that last inter-bounce, Kicked it towards the boundary yeah, on a forty-five did. degree yep. long, yep. and it was just then it was it was game over. They, yep. they, they were never going to get the ball back from there and be able to score with all the traffic ahead of them. So that was that was smart, and it was just a lot of players don't make sensible deci- or common sense decisions under the heat of the moment. Mm. They just oh, what, 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 why would you do that? Oh, I don't know why I did that. Whether it's kick short or kick long or whatever the case may be. So Jack Stephen about to do that was very calm, but yeah, there would be communication to answer your question. There would be communication. There'd be a call. Your leaders would say, this is what we're going to do. Players should know, you know, your captain or he's a forward or he's a tallest player will go down, there's your area or support straight away. And where those spare players position themselves, and that can be during the game as well. If they've got a seventh, where he positions himself, sometimes he positions himself in the wrong spot and he's useless. So, But it's just, yeah, there's practice. You need to go through it. Um, Players will make mistakes at training. Then you coach it again and you go over and over it again. One final one from a coach's point of view. I'm interested, we touched on this earlier, Nathan Buckley wasn't happy with that last quarter and a half against Gold Coast. Could habits happen in that quarter and a half that then potentially push into training this week into the next game? Is is that what he's worried about or is it completely irrelevant how that game finished? No, I think as a coach you worry about habits, about habit forming. So you get into bad habits. If you win three or four games easy, do you relax did Melbourne get into that mode? Just, just, just throwing up a question. That they, mm. they were had some really good wins. Um, Collingwood thought if they attacked them early physically, uh, they'll be wouldn't, wouldn't be sharp. Um, so, yeah. did they have some habits that oh, I was just going to happen? That did Collingwood fall into the trap of oh well we're sixty up, we're relaxed now, we can don't be as intense, and do we muck around with the ball? Do we make every every possession uh, perfect? And that's what he'd be. Uh, he'd be worried about that. You know, you're going to play us this week. You can't afford to get into that mode. Welcome to the press box. And welcome back. Well, it's the press box now. This is sort of my side of things, deputising for Mark Stevens to talk about it from a, a media angle and then how then it reflects uh, internally with inside uh, a football club. And the, just the talk around players, will they re-sign, will they not? We had a, a weekend where Mark Murphy has agreed to stay at Carlton, which I think has surprised some people. John DeGoey deciding to stay at Collingwood, where I think there were some that felt he'd stay, some would felt that he was going to leave. And then the Tom Lynch situation. Us in the media love to speculate about these sorts of things because it creates interest. People want to know whether players are staying or going and, you know, whether it be the clicks on the website or whether it be talkback callers. People are fascinated by players, where they're going to be playing. From inside the football club, does it impact the players, Rocket? I don't think it impacts the playing group uh, as a whole. Probably depends on the individual, like how big a name player the, the player is. I reckon it can impact the individual himself. Um, so whether it's a Tom Lynch or it's a Rory Sloan or whether it's Dugowie, I reckon Dugowie, if you go into actual specifics, he's made the right decision for himself for being in Collingwood, but he's better to come out now and do it rather than wait the finals and try and squeeze the lemon for another twenty-five or 50000 mm-hmm. because I reckon that it, the incessant media uh, speculation would actually get to him. I don't know him, but they would get to players because they start thinking about it. You get asked, get door stopped, get questioned a lot. 
So you get distracted. You need to be mentally focused on what you're going to do to play. So it will affect the individual. Um, uh, Dangerfield didn't see, seem to be able to cope with it when, when he was at uh, Adelaide. And I think it's very few and far between because a lot of people can't compartmentalise. Mm. It does infiltrate your thinking and you do stress with it. So Is it balance from a, a coaching point of view that if you feel that you've you've got a player that might be distracted or it might be you know taking its toll but that balance between well is it my business or not my business you know to get involved in those sorts of things yeah it is it's a balance it depends your relationship with the player but you also then don't want to there's a bit of psychology where you don't want to distract him anymore from the footy are they interpreting it as a pressure from the from the coach it's more of a coach you just try and at times sell the club uh, say well listen this is where we're going talk about the future and what the plans are what the vision is so I hope he can see that his teammates would probably have a – his close mates would probably say something to him. My experience with that is you ask some players, have you spoken to player X? And they said, oh, no, leave him alone. So it's it's a bit of that. I think players today, it's more and more going to happen. So they're more cognizant of giving the player his space, mm-hmm. per se. I've heard of situations where players have a drink or two and then put the heat on their teammate and it gets a bit, a bit <laughs> rowdy. Uh, so – I think every player is different, though, the way they handle them, the way they go about it. But generally, you'd like to – you don't want to put too much pressure on them, as in direct pressure, because uh, they'd want to see you as supporting them. And it's more of a support and more about the love, I suppose, that we want you to stay in, and this is our plan going forward. It's playing out now at Gold Coast with Tom Lynch, someone that you've coached um, until recently. What's what's his personality like? He's he someone that internalises a lot. Is he someone that likes to share his feelings with his teammates? What would be going on behind closed doors there? Oh, I think Tom would internalise a bit. Like he's a really good character, and he's a sort of person that not worries worries not the right phrase, but he's certainly caring of the environment he's in. He'd care about his teammates. He'd care about the club. Uh, as much it'd be weighing on his shoulders what decision he's got to make, he wouldn't be saying, oh, no, I'm not worried about anybody else, I'm just going to make it for myself. He'd, he'd be really mindful of the uh, effect it has on people. So constant debate and speculation and even criticism would, would probably worry him to a degree because he's a great character. But uh, now he's he's got that injury, well, he's just got time now to, to think about that and make a decision. Now, from a club point of view, would they want to know sooner than later? Yes, they would. I would, I would have thought, I would have thought now, can you give us a, let us know or give us a real good hint, uh, a strong vibe within the next month? Um, let's not wait the end of the season because they've got to do their own planning that if he is going to go, they've got to work out what do they think his market value and what's best for him, uh, to get for him. Um, and they're planning for the future as well about uh, uh, do we have a complete rebuild or do we try and build from now? Because I think the important thing with, with Lynch is that he's a restricted free agent. So he can say he wants to go, but if Gold Coast matches their offer, well, you know, it, it creates a trade possibility as well. So there are, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. There's different they've elements. They've got more time to look at potentially trading yeah, him. Yeah, because I would have thought they'd get more from a trade than they would for a compensation. Absolutely. Um, and then they, I would have thought they wouldn't want the situation where he says, well, I'll go into the draft if they – don't trade him. Now, he won't probably want to go to Carlton or yeah. uh, Brisbane, Brisbane or whatever the case yeah. may be. But if he's strong enough, they get nothing for him as well. And it's not a great look for the for the game either. So I think there'll be twos and fros and whoever the club there's – if he does decide to go, uh, they'll be saying, well, no, no, we would want 
A and B, and that's that's what we need to get. I don't think, from a media point of view, we quite understand how it's not so much how much pressure we put on them, but the amount of speculation, the amount of talk that that we do do. We are talking about people's lives, and I think sometimes we mm. don't quite understand the impact we have with the way we we no. talk of them like we're trading footy cards as opposed to actually players' yeah. lives. And, and they were criticised. There's a real their, intensity about that now. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt, and the lack of loyalty, and yeah. you know, especially with social media. And it's interesting. Digressing on that, players who go in for trading, this is not a Tom Winston scenario, but players who can trade, even experienced players of 28, 29, don't realise the machinations of it. And being involved on both sides of the fence, trading players out and trading in, how stressed they get. Mm. Oh, what, what, why can't you just get the deal done? Well, there's three parties involved mm. and the club that we want to get you from are going to the hard deal uh, as hard a deal as they can or B, they won't, won't want to sweat, make you sweat right to the end because they don't want to lose you. So, And they don't understand that. So, And players who haven't been involved in trade just think, you know, they don't care about it. Don't, don't even think about it. But when they get in the situation, it's a very stressful time. I reckon you'll be talking about it a bit more over the next uh, few months of your rocket files because it's not going away, this no, this. No, it's not. And it's not. It's going to be a big thing in footy. So um, anyway, Adam, thanks very much no, for, your, for your time today. No it's um, Rocket Files uh, this week, as I said, brought to you by Nutter Wadding Jeep. Just to let people know, I'll be at Nutter Wadding Jeep on Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock. So if anybody, okay. anybody wants to come down, A, talk about uh, footy, um, have a chat about uh, getting a Jeep and we'll get a deal. So please... Uh, Please come down to Nutter Wanting Jeep in Whitehorse Road and uh, and also brought to you by Bill and Barnett Suits. And we're having a two-week hiatus. I'll be away in Italy for a wedding. And, um, and then I'll be back here on RSN and back on, uh, back on the Rocket File. So thanks very much. Hey.